I spent about 10 hours yesterday at my daughter's volleyball tournament. It was awesome. If you haven't been to one of these big volleyball tournaments, let me set the stage for you. This one was actually relatively small. There were only about 20, 25 courts. Each court has about four teams on it that rotate through play. They're all filled with teenage girls that are ecstatic after every point in cheering with joy and pleasure. It is loud. Ten hours. And I loved every second of it. I love to watch my daughter do what she loves. She's awesome, and it was amazing. It was so much fun. And, and we were at a, a, a particular gym, and, and, you know, they have scoreboards all over the place. And, and at one point, I was sitting in the bleachers, and it was kind of, you know, set. And so I was sitting in a spot where, where I couldn't see the scoreboard because the umpire in his stand up at the net was, was blocking the way. And, and you know, nor, normally I, I love to just, you know, watch the game, and, like, after every point, I'm looking at the scoreboard. But because it was blocked, I, I was able to watch the game a little bit differently. I, I, I'm competitive, so I still pay attention to the score. But I didn't pay attention as much, and so I got to watch the game with a different set of eyes. And it was awesome. Scoreboards. Scoreboards are important, right? Scoreboards help us keep track who's winning, who's losing. My, my question for you is, are you keeping score in the other elements of your life? What, what do you keep score of? Right? I, I, I share this as a bit of confession. For a good decade after Deanna and I got married, I remembered the names of the people that said they were coming to our wedding and never showed up. Are you with me? Not that I had ill will towards them. I just remembered. I'm glad to say I don't remember those names anymore, and I didn't spend a whole lot of time trying to remember them. What do you keep track of? Or, or how about this? I, I know I'm not the only one. Driving and getting cut off in traffic. I remember that car. Right? Are you with me? And oh, the sweet poetic justice. Five minutes later when you pass them because they got stuck in the slow lane. Right? Are you with me? Come on. You're, I'm not the only one, right? Or even better, five miles down the road, and they're stopped on the side of the road. Yeah? What do we say when that happens? We, we call that karma, right? Karma. There's part of me that loves karma. But I'm here to tell you, we don't believe in karma as followers of Jesus. 
We, we don't believe in karma. Karma, right? That you'll get what's coming for you. You'll get what you deserve. Lord, have mercy if we ever get what we deserve. Amen? We, we don't believe in karma. We, we believe in something far more powerful. It's, it's actually the thing that separates the Christian faith from all the other world religions, from all the other world philosophies, from every other element that, that shapes life and how you live it and how you, you grow and how you mature and how you get the most out of life. We, we, we believe in something different than all the other ways in this world, and we, we call it grace. We call it grace. That, that we don't get what we deserve. We, we get the goodness, the gift of God, even though we don't deserve it. That's what our faith is. And it's all because of Jesus. Amen? But what about your scoreboards? Right, most scoreboards have, have an away and a, a home team, right? And you keep track of the points. And I know some of you were paying close attention to football scoreboards yesterday, right? And there were times when you were uneasy about it. But in our own lives, what, what do we do with the scoreboard? Right, sometimes may, maybe on our good days we're better at not keeping track of the people that harm us. But I'll, I'll tell you, I, I don't have many of those days. I'm pretty good at keeping track of the people that hurt me or hurt my family. As much as I don't want to remember the car that cut me off, I do every time. And so we keep score that way. But, but I, I think another way that sometimes we use a scoreboard in our life is for our own self, right? Our, and kind of the, the way that, that we try and live our lives. And instead of home and away, it has, you know, good and bad. And, and you go through life and you go through your days and you, you, you try to win the day by getting more ticks in the, the good column than ones in the bad column. Do you, do you keep track of yourself and your own score sometimes? And, and we, we play this game. And we think at the end of the day, if we had more, more good than bad, well, we can rest our head on the pillow at peace because, well, I made it through today. And I'm here to tell you that that's it's not a whole lot different. It's not a whole lot better. That, that's not how God works. God shows us a different way, a better way. That's what today's gospel is about, right? We've been in Matthew 18. We, we started off with the, the comparison. You've got to have faith like a child. We, we heard that, that Jesus is the one who leaves the 99 to go find the one that's lost. He, he gives us a recipe, a, a, a formula, a way, a path to, to redeem relationships when there's brokenness in the midst of them. And it, it all, all of it builds to this point where Jesus unfolds for us the power of forgiveness. 
Peter asks the Lord, well, how many, how many times should we forgive, Lord? Should we do it seven times? And, and I love that Peter starts with seven, right? Because what, what you may not know is that at that time and in those days, it, it's believed. We, we don't know 100%, but certainly it, it's part of the story of rabbinic literature that, well, you, you, you need to forgive somebody three times, right? Three strikes and you're out, Right? The fourth time, you're on your own. You're getting it, right? And so, so Peter strategically says, well, seven? And Jesus says, not seven, but 70 times seven, or some translations say 77 times. And, and I love that this, this is really, and, and I, I owe this to a theologian, Chad Bird, who uncovered this for me this week, but um, he he. Jesus here is connecting us back to an Old Testament story. Way back, all the way back to Genesis chapter 4, which is the story that begins with Cain and Abel. It's the first murder, the first death in Scripture. Cain kills his brother Abel. Am I my brother's keeper? And Jesus says, his blood is crying out to me from the ground. This is not God's desire, not God's plan. And from there, Cain is, well, he's nervous because how are people going to respond and how are people going to react when they learn about what I did? There's going to be a price on my head. And Jesus in his grace, the Lord in his grace, says to Cain, well, I'm going to give you a mark, and it's a mark of Compassion, it's a mark of protection that if anybody hurts you, I'll do to them seven times what's done to you, right? I got you, Cain. You messed up, but I still got you, right? So that's the, that's the, the start, the tee up for what's happening. A little bit later in that same chapter, in chapter four, we hear about uh, the generations, as you often do in in the book of Genesis, and as things continue, we get to to two uh, of the same generation, one Enoch, who maybe you've heard of. Enoch was a faithful guy. It says that he walked with the Lord, and then he didn't. He he was taken, that the Lord picked him up. And so all this wonderful story of lifting up of Enoch was a faithful man, And, and he's contracted or contrasted, excuse me, with another relative, Lamech. Lamech, towards the end of chapter 4, well, he's the first one that brags that if somebody hurts me, I'm going to kill him. He's the first person in Scripture that has two wives. He's the first person that's like a really bad guy. We don't know a ton about him, but he's braggadocious. He boasts about the fact that he's going to, well, if you hurt me, I'm coming for you, right? He sings this song that is a song of the sword, and in it he says, essentially, if you hurt me, Cain may have had a sevenfold advantage, but if you come for me, I'm coming for you seventyfold. You see that? He thinks he can out-anger God's protection. And so we come to this scene with Peter 
with the disciples. Peter, thinking he's doing well, well, should I forgive somebody seven times? And Jesus says to him, no, 70 times seven. You think Lamech can outdo me? Ain't no way. This is who God is. You'll never outsin God's love. You will never outsin God's love. His grace is infinitely more. His goodness is infinitely higher. And his power is infinitely stronger. Seventy times seven. And as Miss Meredith and the kids uh, rightly said, that, that this isn't that you would literalistically keep a tally, a scorebook of, of 490 times when you forgive somebody. No, this, this is Jesus saying, tear up the scoreboard. It's not about keeping count. It's about embodying the reality of who God is and how God works. And to unpack that further, he tells this story, right? The, 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 the parable, the parable of the unforgiving servant. Right, a guy owes a debt of 10,000 talents. Do you have any idea how much 10,000 talents is? It's like a trillion dollars. Not like literally, but, but like figuratively. When you say, well, I owe them a trillion, right? You're, you're not being real. You're, you're, you're just speaking about an unfathomable amount. This is what 10,000 talents is. One talent is about... 600 denarii. One denarii is one day's work. I didn't do the math. But 10,000 times, you do the math. It's a trillion. It's an unfathomable number. There's no way anybody could pay this back. Right? And so this man comes... And says, you owe me a lot. You owe me everything. You owe me everything for generations. Please have mercy on me. Okay. Okay. What has to happen for someone who's owed that much money to be able to forgive. They throw away the ledger. They throw it away. They throw away the scoreboard. It doesn't matter anymore. It doesn't matter anymore. What's on your scoreboard? What do you keep count of? What do you measure? This isn't about money. This is about how we keep track of who's winning and who's losing in our lives. There was a 
congregation up in Ohio, in Ashland, Ohio, uh, knew the pastor pretty well before he passed away. It was, it was great. He was a, a masterful pastor at thinking strategically and missionally. And, and when he came and when he arrived, the, the church was really focused on, on numbers, on financial numbers, on numbers of people that were there and all these things. And so much so that they had forgotten that they were a church that was supposed to be on mission, serving the Lord and loving people. And so slowly over time, he, he began to do things that, that began to measure different elements, right? Okay, we'll, we'll continue to, to measure the number of people that come to worship. We'll continue to measure the amount of money that, that we bring in. But you know what else we're going to measure? We're going to measure the number of cigarette butts that are in our parking lots because we're inviting AA to be here and we want them to be here and we want more and more people to be here through AA because it's a great ministry and so we want more isn't that beautiful what do you measure what's your scoreboard See, Jesus in his forgiveness and in this story of the unforgiving servant, he is, he's telling you and, and me to, to get rid of the scoreboard. It, 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 we're, we're counting the wrong stuff. If we believe what, what the Lord tells us through the story of Joseph as we read this morning from Genesis, you intended it for evil, but God intended it for good. There are people in this world that will harm you and hurt you and do evil to you. And I'm with you, it hurts. I've been hurt. It's not like I have this all figured out. But the power of who Jesus is and the story of today's gospel Where are you going to put your faith? In the Lord who can make all things work together for good? Or in your ability to get what's yours and to hold people accountable? Now, with that, it's, forgiveness is a journey. It's not a decision you make one day and then you never have to touch it again. It's a daily thing, like we daily return to our baptisms. We daily live into forgiveness, the forgiveness we receive and the forgiveness we offer. And it's really hard. It's really hard. Getting over betrayal it's no joke. But it's the very thing of God. It's the very gift of who Jesus is and what he does.
I, sh I shared briefly that, you know, as I was watching Ember play volleyball and I couldn't see the scoreboard, I was able to watch the game differently. I think that's the power of forgiveness. When we put away the scoreboards, when we rip up the ledger, the things that take place in life are a little bit more colorful, a little more vivid. And you might enjoy them just a little bit more. This is who Jesus is. The one who wants you to have life. In the name of Christ. Amen.